On this edition of the Iowa Business Report. What I focus on is how do we take the marketing through content marketing strategies for the most part and get it to perform. How your business tells its story is important. Some thoughts today from a content marketer. We knew the Paycheck Protection Program was popular in Iowa. Now we know just how popular. And more on planning so your business reaches its fullest potential. This is the Iowa Business Report for the second weekend of July 2020. The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. The Iowa Association of Business and Industry has been the voice of Iowa business since 1903. Learn more online at iowaabi.org. Here is Jeff Stein. Last month, we brought you the first of a three-part summer series of conversations about enhancing business growth and development. In this month's segment, Dan Benkin, Program Director and Lead Consultant for Advance Iowa, talks with me about developing a succession plan for businesses to continue beyond their founders and how to do long-range planning while still doing those day-to-day tasks that take up so much of our time. We work pretty closely with Iowa State and some of their farm programs because succession planning, regardless if it's a traditional business or a farm business, has a lot of majority of similarities. The two big words that you often hear are fair and equal, and they don't mean the same thing, right? So then we we have to, we talk through that. We help be a buffer between generations, between siblings, do a lot of facilitation You know, we like to say that we're quarterbacking a process of succession planning, but oftentimes we're refereeing a process of succession planning. And and that is what it is, you know, and it's, it's fine. It's, it's good. I think we're good at it. So I've had the great fortune doing this radio program in talking to some very successful businesses and Mm -hmm. they are in the process of moving from one generation to the next the founder generation is handing off or in some of the cases it's that second generation now handing off to a third and those can be extremely delicate negotiations within the family not just because the equitable as opposed to equal conversation that that you referenced Mm -hmm. but you've got a lot of family pride and you've got a lot of potential for thanksgiving dinner to be rather difficult if you don't do it right yeah, we talk about how to avoid Jerry Springer moments, which maybe dates me <laughs> a little bit, but, uh, you know, how, how can we avoid the chair throwing? And a lot of that comes down to being proactive, as it does with anything else. You know, you're not going to lose weight without being proactive. You're not going to learn another language without having a plan. You're not going to succession your company to the next generation successfully without having a plan and communicating that plan. And so, the kids have to know, you know, there's, there's three of you, only one of you can be president, so to speak. That's always one of the big ones, right? So is it the oldest that gets it because they're the oldest? Is it the most accomplished? Is it the one with the most leadership? You know, there's just so many criteria that go into just to that one decision. Well, we have kids that work in the business and kids that don't work in the business. We want to treat them all fairly. So you're going to have to buy part of the business. Well, I've been here for 20 years growing this business, mom and dad, and this business is what it is because I've been here. And Jimmy or Sally or whoever my sibling is that's off in Florida or whatever they happen to be hasn't. And so now fair and equal rears its ugly head again. 
there's a never ending possibilities of why these things can go wrong. Like you said, you know, it's a delicate matter and, and being proactive and planning is, is crucial as it is to most anything, really. We have talked so far about people who want to get to a goal, start a new mm-hmm. business, transition with a new product. And we've talked about people who want to transition. Do you have folks who, and I'm going to use a medical analogy, they just want a checkup. They just want an annual checkup. They think things are okay. There's no trigger point, which, as you correctly mentioned, often is when people call. There's something that that led to it. Do you have people who say, we have heard about what you do for businesses. Would you just take a look? We don't think there's anything wrong, but here we are right in the the peak earning years of this business. Would you just take a look and, and give us a checkup? Yeah, we have a saying in our industry, so to speak, of working in the business versus working on the business. And um, most every day, everybody is focused in the business, fighting today's fires of why so-and-so didn't show up for work or why this product didn't make it out the door or why did we price this at this, you know, all these different fires that they're putting out. And that's in the business and that consumes an owner's time. You know, what we try to stress is focusing on the business, thinking about where do you want to go in three to five years? How is the um, competitive landscape changing around you? How are customer chase changing and, and what they're looking for? And We absolutely do a lot of that. And we do it in kind of a strategic planning or strategic thinking type of way often where we we help them think through a SWOT analysis, which a lot of business folks are familiar with, of course, and and taking it to, you know, a couple steps beyond that about looking at now how do you break that down into some actionable things that you can start doing over the next three to five years or whatever. And and so we do a lot of a lot of work with companies that aren't just in a stuck spot, but they are actually, and those are the companies that are the most successful, Jeff, are the ones that are taking some time to work on the business, right? And, and not just sticking their head in the sand and assuming that what happened yesterday will happen tomorrow and we'll be just fine, et cetera, you know, because all of a sudden COVID happens, right? And wow, our whole world is upside down potentially, and, and we weren't prepared for it. We hadn't thought about it. We have no contingency planning. We have no strategies for how to deal with anything like this. And so we absolutely encourage folks to do that kind of work with us. But as you talk about that, Dan, Mm -hmm. I think of just my daily work and all these projects that you want to get to. Here are all the long-term planning things. Here are all the things that you know you need to do in order to be successful in the business. But it's those darn, as you said, small fires or this happened today, or that happened today, and pretty soon this is gathering dust over here. It's really hard to break through that, isn't it? Even if you oh, know it's yeah. what you have to do, what what skills can you share with people to help them not just put out the day-to-day little fires, but to be ready for when something big might hit them? Sure. I mean, it is incredibly hard. I think what, you know, a lot of folks are, they get stuck in, as again, my my, my boss, Paul Kinghorn, would say the operational vortex of the company. It's, you know, if you can visualize your toilet bowl swimming you around, right? And <laughs> the fighting today's fires thing is extremely rewarding for a lot of business owners because now it might not sound that way on the outset, but you've got this visual checklist of things to get done. I've got this interview to do. I've got this ad to copy to write. I've got you know, these 10 different things that I've got to do today. 
and I check them off and I feel pretty good about myself as I'm doing that, right? Because I'm accomplishing things, they're visible, they're tangible, they're progressing me to the end of my day here and I'm making, I'm making productivity happen. That's an easy cycle to get into from a human element. What's harder to do is think about three, five, 10 years down the road or, you know, my kids are only 14 years old right now, for example. I don't think we need to worry about where they might fit into this company. They don't even know what they want to wear for shoes today or whatever. You know, it's so the reality is that if you don't think about those things, you don't plan for those things, all of a sudden they're the things that swallow you up and eat you whole, right? Just talk to the founders of Blockbuster Video about that type of thing. So so what's an, what's a piece of advice or a takeaway? I think a lot of other things in our life, we put on some sort of a maintenance plan or a, a routine We've got a sticker up in the window of our car that tells us when to get our, our, our oil changed. We've got our calendars booked out to whenever with our vacations, et cetera. I think it's, you know, it's just as pertinent to be scheduling time with your staff on a, for a strategic type of conversation. And, and does that happen monthly? Does that happen quarterly, six months? Part of it probably depends on the size and complexity of your business and in the industry that you're in. But I think it's about being intentional and planning and putting it on the calendar. And I, I find that when businesses have it on the calendar, a little harder to just blow it off than if you write it on a, a post-it note with 10 other things that you want to do that day. Strategic planning gets put on the, well, I can do that again. I can do that tomorrow. These other 10 things, if I don't do them, we might not be open tomorrow, you know, and that's what you think mentally. Dan Benkin, Program Director and Lead Consultant for Advance Iowa the state of Iowa's comprehensive consulting program for businesses. They're based on the campus of the University of Northern Iowa in Cedar Falls. More online at AdvanceIowa.com. We'll conclude the conversation next month. Still to come, Iowa businesses took full advantage of PPP and how to tell your story in a way that audiences will believe. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. Though many Iowans have been working from home lately, roughly 80% of Iowa's workforce has still been reporting for duty as normal. I'm Mike Ralston of the Iowa Association of Business and Industry, inviting you to join me in thanking Iowa's manufacturers, healthcare workers, and first responders for their efforts during the pandemic. Working together, Iowa will be back soon, stronger than ever. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. 523,205. That's the estimated number of Iowa jobs that were protected thanks to the Small Business Administration's Paycheck Protection Program, which helped businesses and nonprofit groups continue to pay employees during the pandemic. The numbers were released this past Monday by the SBA. Those half million jobs in Iowa were part of some 51 million jobs supported by the program nationwide. The SBA loans are forgivable if certain criteria are met, such as maintaining a level workforce. More than 58,000 Iowa small businesses and nonprofit entities received the loans. 
Meanwhile, at the same time that data was being released, the program resumed accepting applications due to an extension being approved by Congress and signed by the President recently. The new deadline to apply for a Paycheck Protection Program loan is August 8th. Coming up, authentic storytelling about your business. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry, helping develop the next generation of business leaders through Leadership Iowa and Leadership Iowa University. To learn more, go to iowaabi.org. In this week's business profile, we'll introduce you to Christoph Trapp of the Authentic Storytelling Project. This encompasses his work for companies as a content marketer, and an extensive body of work from blogs to books to podcasts on how better to tell your business's story. I asked Christoph Trapp to explain what it means to be a content marketer in today's media atmosphere. I grew up in journalism. Back in the day when people would say, hey, how many people read your stuff? First of all, that wasn't even a question. But if they ever asked, you would say 83,000, 100,000, whatever circulation was, right? What has happened today is we have really a content performance culture. Everything gets measured. Everybody wants to know how many people are listening, how many people are doing something, how many people are buying from us. So really what, what I focus on is how do we take the marketing through content marketing strategies for the most part and get it to perform. And, you know, one way that I found that you can do that is telling better stories. And, you know, as a journalist, you, you learn how to tell good stories. Uh, you, you learn how to write them in a way that people actually want to read them. I'm not talking about sensationalizing them. I'm talking about how do you put it all together. And today, of course, there's many, many mediums. And there, the competition in really any vertical is just crazy. So that's what I focus on. How do you um, optimize your workflow? How do you uh, get the most bang out of your buck with your content and your strategies? Realistically, there's a big difference between having exposure to it and actually consuming it. And that's really what, to a large degree, I think you're talking about here is how can you get your message heard when there's so much competition at every stage, whether it's on a big screen, a small screen, somebody across the room talking, the din is louder than ever, is it not? It is so loud. It's unbelievable. And the competition, I'll give you an example I love podcasts. I've been podcasting, you know, my own podcast, the business storytelling podcast, about 150 episodes. And podcast listening has gone down uh, during COVID. And for me, I'm actually listening more because I got them running all day, almost like I used to have the radio running all day, you know, but it has gone down because a lot of people listen on their commute. Well, there's no commutes currently, or maybe it's picking up again, but there wasn't for three months. So again, if you were counting on your podcast to drive a lot of attention, COVID was probably not the best time to do that. Um, So it changes. That's one problem. And then the other thing is there's so much competition. Um, I think the latest numbers I heard was like 33 touch points uh, to get people to do anything. And of course, some of those touch points are like having the podcast in the background, having the podcast available when you want to listen to it or having the article pop up or having an ad. So they all go together. You know, I I still remember my first digital transformation project with a traditional print media company. And people were always trying to argue 
oh, you're against print, you're against whatever. And I'm not against anything, uh, but you have to implement them all together, right? Like when I wrote my books, some of them sold much better in print. So guess what? I don't mind print at all for books, right? But, but I also have a Kindle version. You can also listen to it on Alexa. You can also listen to it on Siri. So, so think of it as how do you integrate everything together you know, as one plan and, and try to maximize things. But it all comes back to content, doesn't it? From the very beginning of time, you have to have something to say and be able to say it well. So in your professional experience working with clients, where do they get that wrong? Why do they need someone to come and help tell their story? The biggest thing is a lot of companies still think about content as truly a marketing function. And, and, it, and it is at the core of it, right? Uh, but Mal Rod actually put this in, in uh, top of my mind. Marketers need to think a little bit more like journalists. What do journalists do? Um, they, here's what they do. They come to work and they say, hey, what's going on today? What should we write about? What's interesting? And they make a decision and they tell that story right now. They don't make a plan for the next six months. They don't come up with some you know, committee meeting they have to go to. They just tell the story, the end. And it's done. And tomorrow we'll do it again. Now, I do admit that that model would drive a lot of marketers crazy had they do, if they had to do that every day. But as Mialta said, think of it more, not as a campaign, but what are the stories you can tell that really are helpful? And when you do that, you come up with better stories. And marketers, so that's one problem. The other problem is marketers, everything is superlatives, like state of the art, we're the best, uh, industry leading. And it just drives me crazy because you can, not everybody can be industry leading. Not everybody can be the best at everything. Uh, so show me, don't tell me, right? And that's, I think, where a lot of companies still go wrong. They tell me they're awesome instead of showing me. And the way you show it is, I mean, literally all you have to do, quite honestly, is talk about your expertise, right? Talk about how you do it. Like, for example, in this interview here, Jeff, I didn't say to you, hey, I'm the best forever, blah, blah, blah. I say, here's the model I use. Here's how I think you would do it. And here's how I think it could help. And now people can say, oh, it makes sense. Uh, it's probably easier said than done, right? And then they can think about it. Uh, but you have to tell that story. And I think a lot of companies fall, fall flat on their face when they try to do that. Another problem they face is approval hell. Everybody wants to edit it, and some people make changes that make no difference. I actually had one client once, they had one guy edit something, the next person edited it, and then the next person edited back to what it was initially. I'm like, what a waste of time. I mean, you don't, there's no impact on any of this. You just wasted money because, because of what you're doing. So the, the telling better stories, and, and really, I think the journalistic instinct, when you see my LinkedIn, I talk about I'm a journalistic storyteller. The journalistic instinct really can help companies do that well. But yet we've gotten into this idea of being loud and proud and a lot of exclamation points. That is hard to break through because, in essence, what you're suggesting, I'll say, is subtlety. But that can really have much greater impact because it is distinctive these days. Yep. And, and the other thing is uh, the story brand, story guide brand. I've heard about this, but, but, and this is journalists do this too, but a lot of marketers don't, right? Marketers say it's about me. Here's why I'm the best. Here's why I'm great, et cetera, et cetera, or my company. But in this model, what you really want to do is here's the problem we're seeing and here's how it can be fixed. And by the way, we can also help you fix it, right? 
and that's very different because it is it, it is actually a lot easier just to talk about yourself than to, to always put yourself in the other shoes but you have to put the audience first you have to talk about their problems and you can't just say uh you know we're the only solution to do that how savvy is the audience? I was going to say the audience is savvy enough to see through some of these things, especially as they now are using so many of these tools from their home offices and basements and everything else. But how savvy are they actually in terms of using these tools and your clients then getting a message to them? Well, like anything in life, there's no black or white answer, quite sure. frankly. You know, there's some people who are very savvy and and they, if they're superlatives, they'll go, yeah, whatever. You're not the state of the the, the, the industry leader or whatever it might be. Um, and then others, if you hit them at the right time, especially I just talked about this on, on the show, actually, on fear-based marketing, which I think is terrible when you overdo it. doesn't mean you should never talk about something that is a problem, right? You should. But if it's true fear-based marketing, it's not sustainable, in my opinion. But that can work when you hit people in the right moment. But again, will they come back? Will they have a good experience, right? I mean, at some point, you'll run out of people if nobody ever returns and comes back as a customer. So at some point, I think people figure it out. I would recommend that people are authentic with their marketing, with their stories, and try to be real, you know, and not just try to push you to do something you don't want to do. That doesn't mean you shouldn't generate demand. You should. But... There's a fine line between being helpful and being like just pushing you into it, you know. Christoph Trapp, more about his work as a content marketer online at AuthenticStorytelling.net. That's where you can sign up to join the nearly 73,000 people who receive his blog entries via email. Based in eastern Iowa, he's the author of three books, including Content Performance Culture, released earlier this year. You can follow him on Twitter at CTrap. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. You'll also find podcasts of full interviews with many of the folks you hear on this program. They're listed as IBR Extras and IBR Business Profiles. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. Follow ABI on Twitter at IowaABI and online at iowaabi.org.